to the SBK Betting Podcast. You guys at home loved our Cheltenham Festival daily mini-series so much that we thought we'd bring it back for Aintree's Grand National Meeting. If that doesn't deserve a like down below, I don't know what does. For those of you who are new to the channel, my name is Tom Collins and I'm joined by the brilliant Ross Miller to my left. This is episode one of our mini-series. There's going to be an episode two and an episode three as well. They will go live on Thursday and Friday on all good podcatchers and YouTube, Spotify, whatever you like. So make sure you don't miss out on those. In each episode, we'll uh, talk about the feature race from the upcoming day. We'll provide our NAP and Next Best tips, and then we'll discuss the main talking points, whether that's a ground update, which we'll have in this podcast, or a review of the previous day's action. Let's get into it then. Ross, I believe at this point before the Cheltenham Festival, so a month ago, you said you were around an 8 out of 10, 9 out of 10 on the excitement scale. Where are you now on that scale ahead of Aintree's Grand National Meeting? Uh, just simmering under an 8 TC. I think the Thursday is a is an exciting day. I don't see an awful lot of punting angles, I've got to be honest, for the Thursday. Friday a bit more so. I'm actually over to the UK. First time going racing in the UK in three years to go on Saturday, so I'm excited about that. Um, so, yeah, I expect my excitement, as it did with Cheltenham, really. I mean, Tuesday of Cheltenham was just amazing, wasn't it? And that got everyone up to a 10. Uh, hopefully the first day of uh, Aintree can do the same and we'll be at a 10 for the rest of the week. I didn't even know you were going to the Grand National. I, I knew you were coming over to the UK, but is this the first time you've, you've been to Aintree or have you been before? No, been to Aintree a few times, been to the Grand National many years ago. Um, and uh, yeah, just, just excited. I mean, honestly, it could have been anywhere. Just excited to be back on a UK race course after three years. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I've never been to the Grand National or Aintree in general. So I definitely need to put that uh, in my calendar, take it off the bucket list for sure. I have to say that right now, I'm probably just around, around a six out of 10. I mean, I could lie and say a 10 out of 10. But uh, I'm in flat mode now. Look, there are some fantastic horses running this week. I'm looking forward to the national, um, especially, but at the same time, flat mode. So after this, it's straight on to Newmarket and the Craven meeting, which I'm going to and I'm really looking forward to. But we're, we're here to talk about entry, so let's do it. Before we get in, into the feature races on Thursday, I'll give you a quick update on the ground conditions uh, because this is all important for, for punting. You need to know what the ground is like to then back your horses. If, for example, if it's heavy ground, you don't want to be backing horses that need good ground and vice versa. Aintree produced a, a report at 7am this morning. We're filming this uh, around 1.30 on Wednesday um, to say that there are 10.8 millimetres of rain on Monday. 1.4 millimetres on Tuesday, and they're expecting between 5 and 10 mils uh, today on Wednesday. When you're looking at the three days of the of the festival, 1 to 2 mils tomorrow, some rain on, on Friday, but not much, and then very limited precipitation on Saturday. So it seems like they've had the worst of the weather this week, and they'll have a bit today as well. The ground currently is good to soft in place, uh, good to soft, good in places on the mild May course. Um, though that might disappear with today's rainfall, while the national course is notably softer at this stage, according to the going stick. Is that what you expected to hear, Ross? No, my, my local spies had been telling me there was going to be plenty of rain, uh, particularly Thursday and Friday, and, and definitely when we recorded the pod with, with Jess yesterday, I certainly took a view that soft ground was going to be the, the way forward. Probably most notably for me, I sort of oppose Bambridge in the first race tomorrow on that basis with Visionarian, who I think will like what I thought was going to be soft ground. If it does ride on the, the good to soft side of, uh, of soft, uh, that would give Bambridge a, a better chance, as you pointed out yesterday, on what will be very fresh ground first race of the, the meeting. So no, it's not what I expected. Um, might have to do a bit more 
bit more research for Friday. Yeah, indeed. I, I thought it was going to be uh, more testing as well. Um, as you've touched on there, Bambridge, who we'll come to later in this podcast, uh, I thought he'd get the fresh ground anyway, being the first race of the meeting. But it sounds like the ground's going to be okay for the majority uh, of the three days, maybe softer on the national course, as I've said. Right, let's zone in on a couple of the, the major events on Thursday and starting with the grade one four-year-old juvenile hurdle. Now, the market is currently led, led by Zenta, trained by Willie Mullins, finished third in the Triumph Hurdle, and it's around 13 to 8 right now. She will look to become just the third filly to win this race since 2001. The other two winners so far uh, in that time frame are Lunique in 2013 and Apple's Jade in 2016. Bo Zenith is second favourite, around 5 to 1 for Gary Moore. Third favourite is the Adonis winner, Nuzret, for Joseph O'Brien at 6 to 1, and then it's 8 to 1 bar. Ross, what do you make of Zenta and who do you believe is the value play in this four-year-old juvenile hurdle? Well, I think Zenta clearly has demonstrated the best level of ability so far. Um, she looks like quite a free-going sort. I'm, uh, the Triumph definitely, as you point out yesterday, turned into a bit of a sprint up the hill and she certainly has bags of speed. But I also thought actually this slightly easier track might suit her. I don't think she was finishing off a race as well, certainly as the couple in front of her and maybe even a couple of behind her in the in the Triumph. Um, I, so I can see the appeal of her. I'm just slightly concerned of of Cheltenham form coming into coming into entry, particularly with a with a four year old filly. Um, they generally would perhaps take a little bit longer than than the the geldings to get over a run, and so that just slightly concerns me. I think we have to say that the Irish form is significantly stronger than the the UK form. What was it? First ten home, I think, in the Triumph were Irish trained. Um, the UK form really uh, isn't up to all that much. I know Milton Harris has been quite bullish this week in, in a few press pieces about script writer, um, says that he's he's a much better horse than Knight Salute, who was good for him last year. But I, I think that is slightly like saying that, you know, X is, is more fashionable than me because I'm not fashionable at all. So you can be more fashionable than me and still not be that fashionable at all. And I just, just wonder that script writer is, you know, the UK seem a long way uh, below the Irish. I like Nuzret. I think he was going to win the Adonis, uh, even though the Gary Moore horse made a mistake at the last. He comes here fresh. I think he'll handle a little bit of softer ground if it goes that way. Um, and I think Joseph O'Brien would almost look to target this meeting more than Cheltenham in some ways. Um, so I like that angle. Um, not a race I'm keen to get heavily involved with, but he'd be my selection against the field. Nuzret is 6-1, to one, as previously mentioned. Uh, and much like you, this isn't really a race that I want to bet in. Juvenile hurdles uh, aren't great punting opportunities for myself. I mean, I'm not very good at them for a start, but also uh, I prefer to look at other races flat or over jumps. Um, but I will be interested to see how Bo Zenith gets on just based on that French performance back in the day before he joined Gary Moore. He beat Blood Destiny, who was highly considered by Willie Mullins before the last two races where he's bombed out. Uh, and Bo Zenith seems to be improving for his runs for Gary Moore. So maybe he can throw it out there uh, to Zenta or to Nuzret. Um, let's move on to the feature then. The Aintree Bowl, 2.55pm. Make sure you tune into this race. It's going to be an absolute cracker. There's only a small field, six runners, but it's a great, it's a great race. The money has come for Gold Cup's second Brave Man's Game, who's now favourite at 5-2. to two. Second favourite is uh, Ryanair runner-up, Shishkin. He's 3-1. to one. Last year's Gold Cup winner, Aplutard, is 7-2. to two. Uh, This year's Gold Cup third, Conflated, is 5-1. to one. Then a hoist senior who loves Aintree, around 13-2. Uh, and Gar Law appears to be outclassed as the outside of the field. Ross, please provide your thoughts on this screamer of a race. It is going to be a screamer of a race. It's certainly one that I'll be watching and enjoying rather than uh, participating in as a, as a betting angle. 
I'm amazed that the money's come for Brave Man's Game. I know Paul Nichols said that he's come out of the race really well. I think you'd struggle looking back at all four days of Cheltenham to find a horse that had a harder race, actually, than Brave Man's Game. I mean, he was absolutely out on his feet after running a brilliant race in the Gold Cup. Um, and I always, I mean, I always try and respect what trainers say about their horses because they know them better than any of us. Um, but I do think when it comes to trainers saying that X has come out of a race particularly well, I take with a pinch of salt simply because they just don't know. And you'll see countless uh, examples of horses that the trainer will say after the race. Well, yeah, obviously just came too came too soon for them. So I'm keen to oppose him on 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 that basis. Um, Shishkin, I love and it and it does break my heart not to be with him. But I think he had a hard race for different reasons at at uh, Cheltenham. He he never really looked at it and was off the bridle for a long way and and really plucked on gamely to finish second in in the Ryanair um you pointed out yesterday that they've removed the tongue tie um which is a bit of a, a backward move normally because once tongue tie goes on it tends to stay on particularly when you've had a good result like you did at did at Ascot but I thought that was perhaps to do with the fact that Nico mentioned in a couple of pieces that he felt that uh, Shishkin was curling up underneath him down at down at the start um and I just wonder whether they feel that he's a little bit claustrophobic at Ascot. They had him positioned on the outside, gave him plenty of room, whereas at Cheltenham, he got buffeted to the inside and, and definitely didn't look to be enjoying it. So I've actually had a bit of a Blue Peter moment, TC. And I thought I'd show what show what a tongue-tie tongue tie is. First, first though, a quiz for you. Do you know how big a horse's tongue is? I don't. What an amazing question that you didn't prep me on. Uh, are we talking length or width? Yeah, length. Um, yeah. In what metric? Inches? Whatever you like uh, to see, I got both. Eight inches. Uh, not not too bad. Uh, between eleven and sixteen, uh, according to my pony club handbook, um, which I dug out the loft. Um, so a, a tongue tie works by tying the horse's tongue to the bottom of their jaw because sometimes a horse will draw its tongue back in its mouth or lift it up in its in its mouth, and that will obviously inhibit the the air getting down into their into their lungs. And you tend to combine it with a with a wind dot more often than not. But it is a bit of a restrictive device so here on my camera i've got my horse's tongue tongue ties are normally made of uh tights stockings um hacked up by the trainer some poor old trainer's wife and i'm not looking forward to mrs miller finding out that yet again i've hacked another pair apart she thought that time was done when we stopped training point to pointers so you've got a knot in your in your tights that goes over the over the tongue like like so and then this bit at the bottom gets tightened around the tongue which gives you two pieces here. And then those two pieces would get tied around the bottom of the horse's jaw in a knot to keep the tongue strapped down to the to the jaw. So if you are claustrophobic, that's that sort of tight motion might just uh, not please you. And that could have been why Shishkin was curling up down at the start under Nico. And I think that's probably why they've taken it off. That said, I think there's still too many questions to answer for Shishkin. I think he's going to appreciate the step up in trip. But 28 days to turn him around from a fairly poor run, I think is a big effort. Um, and so I have to look elsewhere. I'm not sure that Brian Hughes is the man for a hoist in your. Um, I think Derek Fox is a big miss there. We spoke yesterday, Derek Fox rides with a very long length of leg, helps keep a hoist in your sort of balance. He's a big horse, tends to roll around a bit. Brian Hughes would be more stylish to most people, but he rides very short, perched on top of it. I'm not sure that's a great fit. Um, conflated is just not a horse for me. Galore, I think, Again, I'd probably like to step up in trip, but I just question what his jumping will do in the early stage if they go quick. So almost by dint of um, default, 
I like um, Aplutard. I thought he ran a better race in the Gold Cup. He got hampered uh, by the fallers, which meant his race was over. So he's not had a hard race. He's not done that last half mile. Um, he's arguably the high class horse of the race if you go back a season. Um, and I expect him to get back to winning ways. Yeah, fabulous insight there with the tongue type. Uh, I mean, I didn't know anything about the tongue type myself. So I'm, I mean, I've learned plenty on this pod already. So I'm sure the guys at home definitely have as well. Aplutard's just not for me, but I can see the angle uh, there with him. If he bounces back to his best, then he's probably the horse to beat, isn't he? That Gold Cup victory uh, last year was just scintillating. My tentative vote in the race would go to Conflated, just because I thought he ran fantastic at the Cheltenham Festival. Maybe he didn't have as hard a race as Shishkin and Brave Man's game. Um, and he finished second in this event last year behind the now-retired Klanders Oboe. But it's a great race, one for the neutral. You don't need to have a bet in this. We all love all the horses in this field, so it'll be a fantastic result and great story no matter who wins. Okay, it's that time again. The time everyone has been waiting for, the moment where we provide our nap and next best. And Constitution Hill at 1-7 to seven in the entry hurdle does not count. Um, Ross, you had a screamer with your nap and next best throughout the whole of Cheltenham Festival. You did fantastic and carried the pod because mine were pretty shoddy. Um, so please continue your fine run and go first. Well, that's put the kibosh on it, hasn't it? <laughs> um, so, so, like I said, tomorrow I think is 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 fairly slim pickings. Uh, but two I do like in the in the Fox Hunters, um, Fear Jaguen. Now, Bradley Gibbs did us a great favour at Cheltenham, winning the within the Cheltenham version at a nice sixty six to one. Um, this horse has more uh, credible uh, credentials. Um, he is. I mean, he's basically Constitution Hill of the point-to-pointing field. He's a serious horse, and he wins by big mar- big margins. I'll grab that point-to-point field. He's pretty inexperienced. He's only run once in a hunter chase, and he was beaten, but he was a little bit green and, and certainly weaker last year, only beaten a nose anyway and, and jumped pretty well. Um, but just his last three point-to-point runs, uh, he, he won by 70 lengths on his seasonal debut, giving £5 to a horse called Looks Now Like Brian, who was a pretty decent handicap chase for Tim Vaughan. And he won his next open point to point. He then went on and gave £8 and 60 lengths to Dum Drum Wood, who's won his next two. Uh, and then lately he gave £5 and 25 lengths to Notre Parry, who hasn't run since. But Notre Parry this time last year was winning a handicap off a mark of 122. Fear Jaguen is a really smart animal. He's got to obviously take to the fences. Um, he's got good form on on the only time he's run on soft ground, uh, which actually was when he beat a, a, a mare called Late Night Fumble, who's a half-sister to the winner of this race last year, Late Night Pass, beat her nine lengths. She has since gone on to win her next six starts, including the Hunter Chase at Cheltenham. So that's good form on soft ground. I don't think the ground will stop him. And I actually think this trip will suit him. I'm not sure he's an out-and-out dower stayer if this was over three miles. So uh, Bradley Gibbs to do the Fox Hunter double, Cheltenham and Aintree. Fear Jaguen is my nap. The next best comes in the 440, the Red Rum Handicap Chase. And it's actually last year's winner, the last day. It's only run twice since, ran fairly poorly at, at Sandown and then was hampered early on at uh, Cheltenham in the Grand Annual last time and never got into it and was eventually pulled up. But he's come down six. He went up £8 for winning this race last year. He's come down six in two runs, which I think is a, 
a rare act of leniency from the from the handicap. We often talk about them not coming down as quick as they go up. This horse has actually. He's only two pound higher than last year. He would have won with two pound more on his back last year. Um, he was valued for more than the winning margin of two lengths as well because he made a fairly bad error at the at the fourth last. He's two from three on the track. He's got uh, winning form on good to soft as it was last year. He's won on soft and he's won on heavy. Um, I think this looks like this has been the target all year long for Evan Williams, who's a target trainer. Uh, and so the last day is the next best. Fear Jaguar is 11 to 2 currently in the 405, and the last day is 12 to 1 in the 440 for Ross's nap and next best. My nap on Thursday is going to be Bambridge, who we discussed right at the top of this podcast. He runs in the opening grade one manifesto, novices chase at 145. As we've said, the ground's going to be perfect for him. He loves small fields, and he might be able to dictate this race from the front. He faces uh, a couple of horses that ran at the Cheltenham Festival, including Stage Star, who was market leader. But I think Bambridge will go off favourite. He's fresh coming into this race. And he ran badly at this meet last year. But I don't know. I think that was just on the back of an incredible Cheltenham performance. And he just ran flat. I think this year he's going to be 100% ready to go. And Bambridge will take a lot of beating in the first race on Thursday. And my next best vote goes in the same race as your next best, the 440, the Red One Handicap Chase. And mine is Dancing on My Own. We're both looking at the form from last year, the winner and the second. We're tipping up again this time around. Hopefully they finish first and second again, but in a different order for my case. Uh, (laughs) This horse has been prepped by Henry de Bromhead for this event. They have said early in his career that he does not want to go right-handed, yet his only two starts since finishing second in this race last year have been around right-handed tracks, trying to keep that handicap mark down, getting rid of the rust, getting him ready for this day. He was running super aggressively 12 months ago from the front, led at a fast gallop and just kept going all the way to the line. Yes, he was picked up by the last day and there was nothing there that really suggested that Dancing on My Own should have beaten the last day. It certainly wasn't a fluke, the fact that Evan Williams' horse won. But I just think they've got Dancing on My Own ready. He's come down the weights as well, only three pounds higher than 12 months ago. And I think eight to one's a very fair price. Maybe a forecast play there or singles because you're going to make a profit if either of our selections win. If you want to back either my selections or Ross's selections for day one, then please do it on SBK. New customers can bet £10 and get £10 in free bets, which is a fantastic offer and you should make the most of it. Thank you very much for tuning into this podcast. If you have watched it and liked it, please whack a like below and also subscribe if you're watching this on YouTube so you don't miss out on all of our content that's coming up, including episodes two and three which will be live in the upcoming days. We've also done a complete entry podcast, which is already live on Spotify and YouTube. So go check that out as well. It's a much longer viewing session, around an hour and a half, if you prefer that kind of video. We'll be back tomorrow for the second episode of our entry mini series. But until then, be very lucky with all your selections on day one of the Entry Grand National Festival. And we'll see you tomorrow.